Right, well, uh, unfortunately, it's not that easy. Um, <laughs> you have to engage yourself completely to do this. <clears throat> Firstly, you, you would need as an adult man uh, to build a container based on your understanding of your masculinity. It is, though, quite possible to develop your anima when you're much younger than that, much, much younger. It all depends on your level of consciousness and your insight. We discussed this uh, in previous videos, but assuming that our friend here is an adult, I'm sure he is, um, then first of all, he has to develop his sense of masculinity because you have to prepare a vessel on the inside psychologically to receive the anima both on the outside and the outer world and internally obviously in the inner world if you lack that then your relating function won't work at all because there's so many confounding factors involved in this there's your sense of identity your place to stand with respect to your ego or ego consciousness all of these things need to be in place and the building process involves obviously a confrontation with the unconscious but also a confrontation with your adaptations or maladaptations to the times within which you live. So that process then is a question of balancing your energy with respect to the inner world and the outer world. And again, this is why a biopsychosocial model as a framework is really, really effective because you can measure where you stand in relationship to those different dimensions. Connection to your emotions is, is vitally important as well initially just the capacity to feel them because there are so many people who can't they have an idea what emotion is and what feelings are bearing in mind of course that Jung's definition of feeling was based on the German language rather than the English and there is a distinction then between emotion and feeling in the way that he meant it but I'm trying to suggest that you use both because an evaluative nature, even if you are a feeling type, when that is connected to feeling is very, very important because otherwise you may simply develop an idea, a thought about what feeling is, what feeling tone values are, and then it becomes an abstraction. <clears throat> but when you can feel this on the inside, you will have what is known in depth psychology as an affect bridge, an emotional bridge, which can lead you into, for example, past ego states. Past ego states are way stations in your life where your level of consciousness has been at a particular level and also your connection to your feelings has been at a particular level as well. Now, if you can access these past ego states through an affect bridge, you can begin to build, for example, your personal myth in a particular way that you may not otherwise if you're only approaching the task as if it were an abstract idea or a function such as a task, if you like, such as writing something down and not really relating to anything. So building a connection to your emotions is very, very important. A number of ways of doing that, being creative in the widest sense, using imagery, but also physical activity can be very important in the sense of stimulating through <coughs> movement parts of the deeper structures of your brain which will activate the limbic system in an appropriate way um, lots and lots of different things but that intent to build has to be in place first you have to make that conscious decision because you're signaling to yourself and also to your unconscious it is my intention 
to do this. I want to have that internal relationship with the psyche through the anima, the relating function, working properly on the inside. And part of that process will be connecting to instincts, deep, deep structure instincts, and the narratives, the intentionality, the teleology that is embedded within instincts. Also through relating to the outside world. Once you start to match those two so they're in sync, then, then you'll find things start to happen that are, that are very, very different. Changes will happen in your psyche. They'll even happen in your body as well, in terms of your awareness of your body, in terms of how you deal with stress, how resilient you might be to illness. All sorts of things will change. The nearest correlation to this outside of the West is in tantrism. For those people who know anything about that, and there are different tantric methods, but the kinetic tantras, the ones that involve movements as well as just abstract meditations, are highly transformative. And they are very much concerned with building a receptive vessel. And I would say that the process is pretty much the same. It's isomorphic. It's one for one, a correlation, albeit that the emphasis might be slightly different depending upon the culture that you use to, to make that approach. But there, there is a process. Uh, recently, I've been, been encouraging lads on the Discord, the boyos on the Discord, to work on the notion of the platonic form. And the reason for that is to begin to move them away from the more basic idea in an abstract sense of what the anima is, on the one hand, and on the other hand, being victim to it because of unconsciousness. That's not their fault, because we all start out that way, and it takes a lot of work to overcome the inertia of the ego's position at any time in life. Uh, adaptation involves overcoming inertia. The inertia of unconsciousness in our past and unconsciousness of our relating function and of our feeling tone relationships internally and externally is the thing you have to overcome, as well as the, turning something into an idea. So you need to overcome those two. The platonic form is something which you can access in an internal dialectical sense but it's not just an abstract idea you have to feel it and so immediately you're going to make a connection then between your emotions and your ideas in a way perhaps you haven't done before because the idea of it the theory if you like not reducing it to an idea but but the theory of it involves contacting it in a way which you experience it then it's going to move you on from it just being an abstraction or just being the projection of an instinct as in a reproductive drive as in being attracted to a particular woman or whatever it will move you away from that so that that's the necessary next step for where most people for example on the discord are is to work internally on the platonic form and then connect themselves up simultaneously to their emotions in a way that they don't simply make an idea out of what emotions and feelings are, but experience them directly. If you signal willingness to do this to your unconscious, you will get immediate cooperation. In the same way that I've suggested that when you use Chevreau's pendulum, you need to be respectful towards the psyche and it will then reciprocate. But there's another thing that you must do as well, and this is important. You must not project the ego back into the unconscious and see just a kind of distorting 
foreground mirror representation of the ego and mistake that for the territory of the unconscious. Because what you'll do is just see a reflection of your conditioning, of your limitations, and of those complexes that are in association to the ego, whether they be identified with by the ego or merely be in alignment to them. You won't be seeing anything other than that. You won't even see your shadow. You'll just see this imperfect, distorted mirror of yourself. So you have to be capable of setting all of that aside. The best way to do this is to approach the psyche with respect and open yourself up to its communications and utilize, as I say, the affect or emotional bridge to go deep within yourself. Then you'll find that things start to align themselves up ready to be received in a form that you can integrate with. So it's an active process. So it's not a simple thing, and I'm sorry if that's too, too much of a theory-laden answer. It's not intended to be because there's a lot of practical advice in that, but each element of that will need further explication. Um, and this is probably something that we can do, James, I would suggest on the Discord with the members there. You try and give a simplistic step-by-step. -step. It, it's one size fits all, and it isn't, it's experiential. So people do have to experience this it's transformative when it is experienced directly when it's an abstract idea all that does is create another idea that's the problem with thinking unfortunately as a Jungian cognitive function it tends to generate polarities that cancel one another out or when they do blend they just produce in a Hegelian sense yet another starting point to generate another polarity and then a synthesis and then on and on and on and you you lose the dynamism of the energy because it's lost when the polarities are closed and the, the idea of polarities is illusionary they're only there because of the limits of perception and if your perception is judged if you like in a judging thinking sense in that way that's all you're going to see you have to experience something and one of the drawbacks of um, Western depth psychology is that it is completely cut off in most respects from integration dynamically with action in the world. In mm. other words, it's too passive. Mm. Isn't it, love? Yeah, you would agree. Yes, yeah, yeah it, it is too passive. I'm thinking about what you've said um, about the positive anima borrowing essentially your inferior function so that when you do experience it yes. you are you often experience for thinking types anyway yeah um experience it in a very very overwhelming kind of way yes rather than that being your negative anima it yes. tends to be a positive anima that does that so when the emotion comes through it can feel overpowering. It, it does it does feel overpowering and you're, you're absolutely right thank you for for introducing that that reminder on that point because it's essential that and I'm talking about polarities now by, and I've just contradicted myself apparently. There are always contradictions when you're trying to explain things which are really a dynamical process. But yes, there is a polarity in the sense you can say there is a positive and a negative mm. anima. There's another polarity if you want to impose this as well, which suggests, and it is, is empirically a fact that the negative anima will occupy your dominant function within ego consciousness, whatever that is. It's also a fact that the positive anima, in terms of its potential, is always experienced first through your inferior function, by which I mean that which is most remote from consciousness. It does not have a type, though. It just comes into consciousness through that type. Mm -hmm. 
uh, bearing in mind it's a relating factor or a relating function, when it relates to consciousness, it approaches it, if you like, metaphorically from a distance. And then if you think of it like an electron shell metaphor, then the higher levels, which are further away from the nucleus of the atom occupied by these electrons are like your inferior function, tertiary function and so on as you get closer and closer. So incoming information in the form of the positive anima from the unconscious will reach that level of the inferior function first and will then therefore take on its form. But you're only experiencing that part of it that can be filtered through that. Ultimately, the anima, positive and negative, as one entire thing, has no function, but it can utilize any of them. <clears throat> but in order to communicate itself to consciousness in a way that's productive in any sense at all, it will appear through the so-called inferior function first. <clears throat> the negative function, though, of the, or the negative part of the anima occupies, at least part of the negative part of the anima, occupies your most adapted function in consciousness. And the reason we can say this empirically is that when we mess up our relationships to other people externally and to ourselves internally, it's because the relating function is malfunctioning and it's malfunctioning because the negative anima is operating there. Not its totality, but just part of it there. So this is where we have to be careful about ideas and getting too wrapped up in the abstraction of them and focusing on empiricism, on demonstrable facts, which you can observe in yourself and in mm. others. Mm. So that, that's an important factor, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so would you say then, Steve, <clears throat> that um, if these guys are trying to access emotion or, or create an affect yeah. bridge, that they shouldn't be surprised that maybe at first it's, it's going to be quite an overwhelming experience? Yeah, yeah it can be. And... <sighs> It depends how you access that. You know, it, you, you can access this in an almost religious sense, or perhaps yes, a, a religiously valid sense of a numinous experience and the overwhelming emotion that can come through that. Uh, you can do it through creativity. You can do it through relationships on the outside, obviously. You can do it internally with respect to a relationship to an autonomous factor within your psyche that approaches consciousness and releases emotion. But if you don't provide the signal that you're willing to accept this then it's going to take you by surprise instead mm. and in effect you're going to be ambushed mm. by these things it's, and you might be ambushed in the form of a neurosis if you're lucky or if you're unlucky by something more severe even than that depending on what the, the damning up effect has been with respect to dissociating yourself from your emotions your feelings and values and your unconscious in general so in a way we kind of create the vessel if you like by what we've done in the past and why by what we're doing now to get ahead of that then you need to be forward thinking and say from this moment this time this space i intend to create circumstances if you like that are conducive to open and free communication with the unconscious and that declaration of being willing and open is important but then you have to follow it with action and this is why we always, when we, we train people, we always start with hypnosis because it's the quickest, the fastest, and most honest and unpolluted way of contacting the unconscious. That when you do that and you build up trust from the unconscious towards you, because it has to trust you as well as you trust it, that you approach it with respect. And then 
it will learn to respect you because remember it's been monitoring you the whole of your life and it's gotten used to you being a certain way and so because it's a system and systems have to continue to operate if not optimally then at a level which at least allows it to function it will get used to maladaptation in the ego the ego and then adjust accordingly so the whole system is out of balance including the unconscious now if you change it will have to change in compensation for that so if you change unconsciously so to speak of the fact that that connection is there you don't know what disturbances you're creating in the system as a whole that may further disturb you you need to signal to that part of the system the overall system that your intention is to receive positively the good and proper direction of life for you to unfold and become individuated uh, and you're going to build the receiver for that psychologically and then in the outer world through your action and through your behavior then you'll get the best possible cooperation from within but don't pressure it don't push like Diago does in the outer world making demands that kind of thing don't do that because from the unconscious's perspective you've adopted then an infantile ego state a regressive one that of a child and you'll be treated like one by the unconscious so don't go abstract and one-sided and, and, and too heavily relying on analytical thinking treat it with respect signal your intention to receive the message Signal to your intentions to act out in the world productively because the unconscious wants this because the unconscious itself is embedded in your genome. Yeah, so your instincts want it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And if, frankly, if, if you did some of the Eastern methods that are involved with, say, kinetic tantrism, which uh, heavily involves the use of the body, uh, some of the imagery methods used are the most powerful I have ever experienced, bar none. Uh, and you would then understand just how powerful instincts are and how instincts themselves have, as I say, intentionality. They have teleology. They intend to be completed. They encompass entire situations. And because they're teleological, they are anticipating your through line, life you have not yet lived. They have a narrative which is basically mythic structure. And in, in order to communicate to you, they will then produce images which we interpret as being archetypal. And they are then mirrored within the culture as well. So again, it's a systems model. And th there is representation of the same information at all these, at these different levels. The job of the ego, the ego, is to balance this and to relate properly to the environment, to the culture and the historical time periods within which you live and we hope flourish but also to your ancestral psyche and to your instincts. If you get those in proper alignment, everything will start to work smoothly for you. And if you don't, the result will be obvious, but perhaps not to you, only to the people around you as they see you start to break down and become neurotic. You'll find that, that when somebody begins to lose it in the sense of their regulation, their self-regulation, their psychological homeostasis, they're usually the last person to see it because ego consciousness begins to contract upon itself that means there's far less awareness of the outer world and of the inner world other people will see it but so will your unconscious as well so learn how to create that safe vessel as kinetic tantric practitioners would then you can bring in the information that's necessary from the level of your genome or through the expressive drives of your genome which are the instincts or through the product of the instincts and the genomes which are your archetypes 
and then out into your psychology and then out into culture. That's one directional, but of course it's bi-directional in the sense that the culture is also affecting you. And you'll also find as you change you on the outside, then changes will start internally to match, mirror, or adjust for them. All of this happens simultaneously at different directions, uh, sorry, in, in, in um, different dimensions. So it is complicated. But if you're not actively engaged in that process, you will be the victim of it. And if you are maladjusted to that, then you'll be the victim of your own maladjustments by neglect of yourself and by neglect of your instincts. Your instincts provide all the power that you need for transformation. But if they come through unbuffered, unfiltered, in the raw, they can be very, 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 very dangerous. Uh, they can blow the cork of the ego right out of its container. As indeed can archetypes, which are just the messenger molecules, if you like, at a biological level for the instincts and for the power that they represent. It's true coming the other way, because culture as well contains and expresses and delivers archetypes in the form of images collective representations as Jung called them following Emil Durkheim and Claude Levy Brule and that information can come into the ego that way into ego consciousness and then it can go down into the unconscious and then down into the genome at the level of genetic uh, expression so information is exchanging and swapping between all of these different levels all of the time in the middle of this you have the executive function of consciousness that's you, the you that you experience in everyday life. It has to have proper boundaries. It has to have a psychological immune system that protects itself from the suggestion of the culture where that might be maladictive, from the influence of some of these manner personalities out there, of, of governments, of political ideas, of anything like that, even of families where they may be malignant in terms of your health or of, of other people, any, any other person, but also you need to be open enough to test and see whether these influences are safe or not. So a properly functioning psychological immune system is important when facing the outer world. It's also true on the inside because there's all sorts of material in there that we've accrued through our lifespan development individually. And deeper than that, there's what we've inherited too in terms of negative potentials at an instinctive level, an archetypal level, if you want to call mm -hmm. it that. And then there's the natural dynamics of the unconscious that produce and turn this material over and it will come at you. You need to be protected from that too. But it is the intended job of consciousness in an evolutionary sense to be able to sit on the crossover point between inner and outer and manage and balance those energies. So very, very important that you create that vessel and that vessel is your ego consciousness. It is you. You, you have to have that crafted sufficiently otherwise the forces that you encounter on the inside can blow you away just as easily as forces on the outside can be overwhelming too so i appreciate that's not an exact how to do it but uh, it's an indication of how big the task is and the fact that you need to have that intentionality in yourself to engage with the process